Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Open Hazel. And our world. Good on KCB. 106.5 FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren. Mr. Dave Martino, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Al? I'm good. Getting close to your birthday. Yeah, it is. You know, another birthday, 40, 40, oh, no. 40 again. Yes. Yeah. 39. More like Jack Benny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was 39 forever. Yeah. Most of us don't know same. who he is anymore. Right? Know, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching a series on Tubi, I think. Okay. It's weird you mentioned that, you know. Synchronicities. Yeah. Something. <laughs> hey, and your movie got nominated for an Oscar. You're Maverick, hey? Oh, did it? I yeah. didn't notice. Yeah. Of the 10, it's, it's one of the best picture nominees. So there you go. Yeah, see? See? I'm vindicated. You. There you go. See, now you know. <laughs> you know, you, you're in there like the Academy. That's you. right. Just like now, the Academy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now today we've got a best-selling writer, and uh, her new book is No One Knows Us Here, and it's a novel. So, Rebecca Kelly, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Rebecca, so now, um, how long have you been writing and what, what kind of um, got you into the writing world? I have been writing for many, many years. I mean, I guess since childhood. When I was an English major in college, and then I even got a master's degree in creative writing. But 
It takes a long time, this process of getting published. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, was there certain things that you, um, when you said you've been writing a long time, so when you were younger, were there certain things that you used to write that, that you found in particular subjects that you really liked? Well, my early works, you know, when I was in my 20s, I feel like my stuff was basically semi-autobiographical, kind of thinly veiled. Yeah, autobiographies, just things about love and um, relationships. And they were pretty plotless, I would say. So it took me several years maybe to turn into the kind of writer I feel like I am now. Like No one knows us here as domestic suspense and more of a page turner and not based on my own life at all. Right. Right. How do you draw to get a, a story like this that isn't based on your own life? Is it from, is it from people you know, or where does that come from? Well, I got the idea for No One Knows Us Here when it was about nine years ago. I wrote a list for the online magazine Bustle. It was called something like, um, these literary classics should have had female protagonists. And one of the the books on my list was Crime and Punishment. And I just started thinking, well, what would it be like if Raskolnikov had been a woman? You know, like, what would drive a woman to want to murder someone or make her think murdering someone might be the ethical thing or the right thing to do? And that idea just really stuck with me, and I just kept with it. And that eventually turned into no one knows us here. Wow. So do you have, do you have a problem getting into the head or writing uh, of, of the person that's doing the bad thing, the, the, the sinister person in your book, do you have a problem or is it, do you find it, how do you draw to do something like that? I think I actually enjoy writing characters like that more than I enjoy coming up with a really noble or good character. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's, well, I mean, maybe it's because it, it, in a sense you can kind of, um, I don't know, maybe you can, it, it's escapism in a way you can kind of reach out into areas that you would never do in real life. Yeah, that's probably part of it. Also, I, I think it is hard to write a really good character that's also interesting I remember going to some sort of writing talk once, maybe at a writing conference, about how to make your characters likable. And then the person there said, well, you don't make them do good things. Like, you don't make your character, you know, volunteer at a soup kitchen. That's not what makes them interesting to readers. <laughs> and I keep thinking that, like, people don't really like to read about characters doing the right thing. Oftentimes, we kind of like to see them get into trouble. Well, yeah, it's it's more fun uh, writing the villain, too, right? <laughs> yeah, and I don't think of Rosemary, my protagonist or antagonist, depending on how you're viewing it, as someone that you don't like necessarily. So maybe that's part of the challenge is, like, how do you make them do really bad things yet remain interesting mm -hmm. and maybe not fully, like, I didn't want to write it on psychopath or something like that. I want you to sort of be rooting for her in a strange way. Well, I'm wondering, you know, when you're writing these characters um, and, and you're getting into the mind of the characters, can 
Do you have a an inner monologue? Can you hear these characters? Um, do you, do you hear the prose? Uh, it, it, how do you create dialogue? Yeah, well, I I like to write in first person because I like to get that sort of singular point of view where you're really in someone's head, and so I am kind of in her head, coming up with how she's thinking and how she's working through like creating the logic that leads her to make some of the decisions she makes. And so, yeah, I am kind of hearing it. Yeah, and quite often when you do a character that's, let's say, does kind of things that aren't necessarily good, um, it's important to try and explain their point of view or like a reason why they do it, because in their mind they think they're doing something right. Yeah, exactly. Or that's what I, I like to think, like, well, how do people rationalize certain things they do or why would they do this, what seems like a pretty strange or even crazy thing. But then I like to think, well, maybe they would take these steps to get there and it would make sense to them. Yeah, really. It's the circle they live in, the bubble of whoever, whatever's around them and what they sort of believe to be true in their life usually leads them to these sort of things, you know, and it might look a little weird for people outside of that. Yeah. Now, now your character, Leo Glass, the billionaire, where did he come from? <laughs> well, I was trying to come up with someone who was not likable, but they're not so evil that it would justify what ends up happening. I feel like I'm giving spoilers, but it's probably pretty obvious what happens just from the first couple pages of the book. But I was careful because I, I didn't want it to be because in Crime and Punishment, he doesn't set out to murder someone because that person like in self-defense or anything like that, he justifies it because he says, this is a bad person. And so if you murder a bad person, that's actually a very ethical act because you're making the world a better place. And so I kind of wanted Rosemary to have the same line of thinking, like, well, you know what? He's not that great of a person. So maybe it could be okay if he weren't here anymore maybe that would actually be better for everyone anyway that's kind of how i came up with leo i wanted him to be bad but not super evil elon musk or something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> someone someone that's out there that's not really bad but not really good just kind of there and they Oh, it's hard to say, right? It's hard to... how. So when you put together something like that, is it the characters that come first or is it the story? Well, in this case, I guess it was kind of that skeleton of the story. And then I came up with the characters that I thought would would work well in the, within the story. Or do, you, do you sort of do um, a whole character and create them and, and have kind of a Bible toward your... Uh, like to the book and to the characters so that you have who they are as a person and all their qualms and stuff like that? Or do you sort of just ad lib as you go? I think I'm a bit of a planner and often I do kind of really map things out and try to come up with everything ahead of time. Um, although then I leave myself open for, for making changes along the way. Well, I'm wondering, you know, you said that, um, you know, in the beginning you were kind of, a, a plotless writer and i'm wondering what the what the process was from you going from a, a point uh where you, maybe you didn't have as much structure and then to where you are now 
and uh, where you where you're working with plot and you're you're working with structure and you're planning things out. Uh, uh, what was that process for you? I think in the beginning, I was really influenced by some writers I was reading, like Laurie Moore, who is really good at writing kind of those plotless books where it's very character driven or just. So it doesn't really matter what's happening because how she's describing really ordinary things is just so interesting. But I just never mastered that type of writing. You know, when I would show that kind of writing that I would write to my writer's group or other friends, they'd be like, well, nothing really happens. And your character's not really doing anything or changing. And so later I just became more interested in story and like, well, what does it take to create a story and that that seemed to be better for my writing since I maybe couldn't pull off that Laurie Moore style it gave me some structure and like some parameters to work within and so in a way I found it I don't know liberating I guess to work within a story structure so so what do you find the hardest part of writing and, and putting together a book like this I think the hardest part for me is getting really motivated to work on it I used to be really motivated when I was younger. You know, like I felt like I just had to write and every day I would just sit down and the words would pour out. But now that doesn't happen to me very often. So it's more like I just have to sit down and do the work, which just doesn't sound as exciting or as inspired as I wish, as I wish it was sometimes. It's interesting. So, so when you say that, is it, um, how how is it you get yourself motivated? Is it is it about the uh, atmosphere around, or is there you know do you turn on music? Do you drink wine? Like what what is it that uh, will get you on that track? Well, for a while, um, when I was trying to write this book, I was kind of worried that I didn't have that inspiration anymore, since I just vividly remember being very inspired in the past, like just that need to write. So I did some research, like, well, what is inspiration? And if it's gone, how do I get it back? And in my research, I found other writers and their viewpoints on inspiration. And a lot of them were saying, well, you don't. You don't wait for it to come back. You just sit down and you write anyway. And I didn't like the sound of that at all because it just sounded <laughs> like a lot of work. And I just was like, well, I just want it to be really inspired so I don't feel like it's work. But I decided to give it a try for 30 days. And um, I said, well, I'm going to just sit down. I'm going to set a timer. I'm going to write for an hour a day, whether I feel inspired or not. And at the end of the first 30 days, I had written 24,000 words. And that was like a lot for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, it worked. Just sitting there and writing, even without inspiration kind of got the momentum going and I kept that streak going. So I went another 30 days and then another, and then I wrote this whole book in 411 days. And, and nobody's counting, but <laughs> <laughs> I was counting. Yeah. Well, that's it. So do, do things interfere with your writing then? Like when you're sitting there doing that, this atmosphere to thing, you know, stress or weird things going on in the world or outside of your house and stuff like that or do do things like that get involved or do they stop you from writing or you can just sort of you're just plowing through it well it's only an hour a day and the reason i decided on an hour is 
I thought, well, I think that's manageable. Like there's no way I can tell myself, oh, I don't have time to do it if it's an hour. I think what tripped me up in the past is thinking I needed to devote basically a eight hour day to writing in order to be successful. And that just didn't seem to work for me. I mean, I just didn't have that kind of stamina to write for eight hours a day or the desire, I guess. So then when I decided on an hour, it seemed manageable. And yeah, I wasn't even really that focused during that hour necessarily. <laughs> like sometimes I'm just staring at the screen, but I am just deciding, well, this hour I'm working on the manuscript, whether I get anything done or not. So I didn't have like a word count goal or anything like some writers do, you know, try to write a thousand words or 10,000 words a day. Mine was just that hour. And just sitting there and with the intention of working on it seemed to to work for me. Do you find, you know, with you talking about this, um, it made me think that, um, you know, I find myself that writing and the focus that it requires, you know, one hour can require like four hours worth of stamina. Did you, do you feel the same way? Uh, when you sit down to write and, and you're writing, you're going through that process that it's it's kind of a draining, uh, a, a draining activity. Yeah, I do find that. and But I also found maybe the act of knowing that I was going to write for an hour a day, it did make my subconscious sort of click on and devote more space to thinking about the book, which and that's a lot of what inspiration is, is kind of your subconscious mind you know, being attuned to this creative process. So it made it so, you know, when I was walking around or doing other things, that my mind was sort of working on the book, even though when I wasn't writing. So then it makes that hour that you're seeing down there a little easier because it's like you've been generating ideas throughout the day once once you get in the in the swing of things. You know, so when, when someone picks up the book and takes it home and reads it, what is it you hope that people take away from this book? You know, I've thought about that before and I've thought about like, well, what do I like to get out of a book when I read it? And I've decided that, that I'm usually not looking for a message, you know, or a moral or something like that, but more of a, a feeling like I just love when I was younger, I was so into reading, you know, like when you would just get so into a book that you couldn't stop reading it or someone would interrupt you and you'd be upset reading under the covers of the flashlight kind of thing. And that's another thing that once I grew up, it seemed like I kind of lost that, especially like being an English major where a lot of books you read are required reading. Maybe you're not that into them. Texts get more difficult. Anyway, I just started thinking like, I want to get back to that place where when I read, I'm just so immersed in the world and like taken by the atmosphere and the mood and the characters. And that's what I hope my readers would take away from my book. Like if they got sort of swept up in it, then that's really what I would like. The most I could hope for, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of what, you know, that's a good goal. Um So where do your, your extra characters come from? Like you kind of your... You're, you're not as big a characters. Is that, again, is it sort of the same sort of relationship or do you sort of find them from, you know, odd places, you know, coffee shops or, you know, stores or what? You know, I can't think of where those come from. I think I kind of, yeah, just sort of make them up 
in my head, maybe again, like when I'm doing my walks around the neighborhood or kind of just thinking like, well, what would they be like? Or and maybe it comes to me in an image of what they look like, or maybe something they would say, personality trait, and I kind of build it from there. So in, in, a, in a book like this, when you say it's a, it's a page turner and a thriller and stuff, how do you write your suspense or thriller? Is it more about um, the reader kind of guessing what's going to happen or they know what's going to happen and they're just waiting for it to happen? Well, in the case of no one knows us here, they do know what's going to happen because it's revealed on the first couple pages. So yeah, I guess the suspense would be in when is it going to happen and also why is it going to happen? Like what happens in all these pages that would lead to that moment? You know, how does that end up? How does she get from point A to point B? So what were your influences in writing? I'm really influenced by my childhood favorites. Like I said, since I was like trying to get back to that, how I was as a kid being so invested in all the things I read. And one of my favorites growing up was Beverly Cleary. It's another Portland author, um, but she wrote children's books like the Ramona Quimby series. And sort of like Lori Moore, who I was talking about earlier, I just really admire the way she can take such ordinary, what seem like ordinary people in ordinary moments, but turn them into almost like, well, for me, gripping <laughs> fiction. Or like, I so sympathize with her characters and all the little things that happen to Ramona are so endearing. And so she's a big influence for me, even though I don't write anything like Beverly Cleary. What, what, what do you like about a book? Like, what is, what's the important elements that you find you enjoy most about a book? I think mood and atmosphere. I like a strong sense of place. And then, yeah, a strong sense of character and also a bit of humor. I don't know if that comes out so much. No one knows us here, the humor, but I do try to add that in as well. And I like that when I read it you know, in other people's books. Do, do, do you find you have to be careful on on the humor and stuff like that and um, how you, where you place the humor itself within the story, especially when you've got kind of um, more of a suspense kind of murder thing? I don't know if I consciously do. I mean, I probably should. <laughs> so now, um, where do you see yourself going with the writing now? And now that you've kind of got this out and, and this is kind of a, it looks like it's done well. So what do you what do you see doing next? I'd like to work on something in a similar genre. You know, I guess you would call this domestic suspense. And I feel like that genre works for me. I like domestic drama or domestic fiction. And so domestic suspense is a good, um, yeah, path for me. Do you see yourself doing a series or something like that ever? No, I think I like standalone books. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I, I feel like normally I'm just thinking of kind of one standalone book at a time. So what do you think it is about domestic suspense that, that, that you like so much? Like, where does that come from, do you think? For some reason, I am drawn to domestic drama, like literary books. And I have a book uh, my first novel is called Broken Homes and Gardens, and it's more of a, it's not domestic suspense, but it is domestic. I mean, it has homes in the title. 
And I've always been really drawn to reading about like people, how they make people and how they make a home or how they find a home and how they make a home. And I sometimes have these long passages where my readers in my writer's group or whatever will be like, well, it seems like for about five pages, this character is just, you know, rearranging furniture. And then I realize, oh yeah, that's maybe not that interesting. But I'm again, like drawn to those like little moments or trying to make drama out of the little things that everyone does. And I don't think I necessarily succeeded with those early attempts. But I, maybe that's what draws me to domestic suspense because I can talk about the home details and like, how do you make a home and who do you make a home with? But then I can add a plot to it so I don't get accused of just rearranging furniture for several pages at a time. Well, well speaking of early attempts, um, you know, many writers, you know, I think, find it difficult to transition from the writing they do to get an English degree to writing popular fiction, something like uh, domestic suspense. Uh, did you find the same thing? Or was it more of an easy transition for you? Yeah, it was actually a pretty deliberate transition. I hadn't really read much domestic suspense. Like, you know, if you're an English major, you're reading classics or you're even reading contemporary literary works. And so it was kind of a whole new field for me that I think I must have read, maybe I read Gone Girl or something, you know, more than 10 years ago now. And I was like, you know, I wonder if I could write something like this. And I started just reading more and more in the genre. The whole thing kind of opened up to me and as a possibility that maybe I hadn't even considered before. It wasn't something I read growing up. I don't even know when the term domestic suspense became a thing. I don't think any of us do, really. No. It just sort of, they seem to come up. <laughs> Surprises, <laughs> you know. Now, uh, do you like to interact with, with readers or fans and stuff like that? Do you have any social media set up that you'd like them to connect with you on or a website? How do people find Rebecca? Um, I have, I'm on Instagram on um, R. Kelly Writes and, yeah, Twitter, although I don't use Twitter that much. I've been trying to interact with that more. And I have a website that's also R. Kelly Writes, or maybe that's Rebecca Kelly Writes. Dot com. Yeah, it'd be safer than R. Kelly these days. <laughs> <laughs> like I used to think it was funny that my initials were R. Kelly, and now I'm like, oh, oh no. Not so Speaking funny of domestic suspense, my <laughs> God, they yeah. got, you fit right in there. Boy, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> it, actually, it might, it might help, but take advantage of it, you know. People searching for R. Kelly, and then they can see a. <laughs> A book like that, you know, how how was pandemic uh, for writing? You must have been doing a lot of work over the pandemic and stuff. Did that sort of interfere at all with you? Um, yeah, it was kind of hard, especially because one of my big motivators is re meeting with my writing group every week. We've been meeting every Thursday since 2010, and then, but during the pandemic, we were able to transition to doing kind of online meetings which worked better than we imagined because we, we kept with it. And then after a couple of years, we were able to go back to real life again. So, yeah, it's been kind of hard, but then again, not as hard as maybe I would have expected. I mean, isolation is oftentimes good for writers. So, yeah, 
That's an advantage, I guess. Yeah, a lot of people don't mind that, that right? Um, some people it shut down, I guess, just the uh, anxiety behind it all and what's going on. Sometimes writers can't get very creative, so sometimes that happened. Yeah, and then there was a big kind of social element to writing, like all the readings I used to go to that I feel like sort of trickled off. You know, they, they stopped entirely for about two years, and they haven't really picked up. So I haven't gone out and about in the writing world as much as I probably used to. You really like that? That sort of feeds into the into the writing? Yeah, I think it can be good. Um, I used to like to go to AWP, you know, the big writing conference. And I went to the last one that was in Portland. I think that was right before the pandemic, 2019. Um, but then I haven't been since. But it's in Seattle this year, so I think I'll go again. And I usually like to do stuff like that, go to panels and kind of see other writers and think about writing and talk about writing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's nice to be inspiring like that sometimes, you know, um, breaks up the, the work, the workload. Anyway, wow. Uh, it's certainly been interesting. So now your book is available everywhere and I guess bookstores and Amazon and, and everything like that. Um, so we appreciate you coming on and talking about writing a little bit and your book. Now the book of course is called no one, knows us here and it's a novel and the author has been our guest rebecca kelly thank you for coming on the show well thanks for having me thanks rebecca you've been listening to the house of mystery radio show to find out more about our guests hosts or shows go to www.houseofmystery.com show is over for now was it as good for you as it was for me This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.